Welcome to the Buckhalter Trade Secrets and Employee Mobility Podcast. My name is Dylan Wiseman. I'm a shareholder in the San Francisco and Sacramento offices. I'm here with Leah Lively and Jeff Judd. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Uh, Leah, if you could start out by introducing yourself and then we'll get into today's topic. Hi, thanks so much. I am Leah Lively. I am a shareholder in Buckhalter's Portland office. And I also practice, uh, so I practice in Oregon, California, and Washington, and uh, primarily employment law and anything dealing with employment law, including non-compete agreements. Jeff, let's hear about it. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Judd. I'm a shareholder in the San Francisco office. I do a lot of uh, business divorces, corporate governance disputes within LLPs, partnerships, that sort of thing. And I do a lot of trade secrets uh, litigation. Great. Well, welcome to you both. Uh, today, we are talking about the new piece of legislation that was signed in by Governor Newsom on October 13th, the very last day for him to do so. Uh, this is Assembly Bill 1076, which deals with uh, non-compete provisions in California. It's one of two. We previously featured the other accompanying bill, which was Senate Bill 699 in our previous podcast. So we're turning our attention now to Assembly Bill 1076, which adds some provisions to our longstanding prohibition on covenants not to compete. So, uh, Jeff, if you could kind of walk us through the first part about the scope of the of the new provisions. Sure. Um, what this new provision has done is it's uh, added a business and professions code section 16600.1 uh, which makes it clear that it's unlawful uh, to include a non-compete cause in an employment contract and it requires uh, employers uh, uh, to provide notice to current and former employees uh, who were employed after January 1, 2022, that uh, whatever non-compete clause is in their employment contract is uh, is void, uh, and it requires affirmative notice uh, to be given to all of those current and former employees, uh, both to their last known uh, snail mail address, as well as their email address. So, Jeff, I, I want to have you focus in on this distinction that's now been drawn by the legislature between uh, what was previously a void provision of contract and now what the legislature has said is is unlawful. So if you could explain that to us, that'd be great. Sure. The, uh, the void uh, aspect, the voidness aspect, simply simply means that, that by statute, any non-compete uh, clause in any... Uh, employment contract or indeed more broadly uh, arguably any contract uh, uh, is void that means it cannot be enforced it's unenforceable but it also uh, states absolutely that it's unlawful which means that it is an un unlawful business practice under business and professions code 17200 um, it's not clear uh, what what effect that's going to have, other than potentially uh, uh, be a basis for class action cases 
uh, where employers have uh, a class or types of uh, employees that uh, have these non-compete provisions in their uh, in their contracts. Um, so, so the provision itself applies to um, non-compete clauses, but the statute doesn't define it. So, Jeff, can you give us some guidance on what we anticipate that pertains to? Yeah, I think I think there is a going to be an expansive understanding or an expansive interpretation of what constitutes a non-compete clause. Uh, typically or traditionally, that would mean uh, it would say specifically that for a period of time, perhaps within a given uh, 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 industry or business segment or uh, territory, uh, a, a current or former employee is prohibited from engaging in any competitive uh, activity, uh, selling to uh, former customers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this uh, is intended both to get at those specific clauses that specifically uh, claim a uh, non uh, th that require non-competition, but it also, I think, is going to be used to apply to provisions and contracts that have the effect of uh, prohibiting uh, an employee from seeking or obtaining other employment. Give us some uh, examples of these agreements that may have the effect of a non-compete. Sure. Um, back in the 90s, there was uh, a tendency to uh, place uh, really overreaching limitations on stock and and uh, stock option buyback that would uh, uh, not limit the ability to get uh, a job expressly, but if someone was going to lose the value of stock options that they had uh, acquired, invested uh, during a, a period of, of employment, uh, if that value was going to be uh, substantially diminished, uh, then em employees would not want to leave. They'd want to stay uh, and and derive the economic benefit of, of those uh, option plans or stock purchase plans. Uh, it's not technically a non-compete, but it had the effect of a non-compete. There are also uh, uh, training uh, requirements where some some employers require uh, uh, employees who quit before a certain period of time to pay back the cost of training or bonuses or what have you. Uh, and again, those uh, uh, technically uh, expressly are not non-competes, but they have the effect of uh, keeping a, an employee working for the same employer. And Jeff, um, are there any exceptions that we expect would pertain to the prohibition and now making it illegal for non-competes? Yeah, there are uh, statutory uh, exceptions in uh, the Business and Professions Code 16600, uh, 1, uh, 16602, maybe 16603, which talk about uh, which allow non-competes when a partnership 
uh, dissolves or someone sells their business, they can agree to not uh, compete against their their what is now their former business uh, going forward. Uh, yes. And those are allowed, and those are specifically uh, excluded and specifically acknowledged um, in the uh, in the statute. Yeah. So, in summary, if it is a classic non-compete or operates as a non-compete, it's now rather than just void, it's an unlawful business practice, which is uh, pretty consistent with what California's courts had already said. So that part, uh, from my vantage, is not really um, much more than restating what the current state of the law is, at least that our courts have already developed. So Leah, however, the statute also creates this new notice requirement. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And this is, I think, where employers really need to take some proactive measures to be able to be in compliance with the notice requirements. The notice requirements, because before we get there, we have to remember that this bill is in conjunction with Senate Bill 699. And what that made clear is this doesn't just pertain to employees that are working in California or where you have a California a non-California choice of law. This applies to, uh, you know, really any enforcement of a non-compete in California. So it's, it's quite broad. And when we look at the notice requirements for current employers, they have to look to both current and former employees who were employed after January 1st, 2022. And what they have to do is they have to send individualized communications, a written individualized communication to the employee or former employee and shall deliver that to the last known address and, there's an and, the email address of the employee or former employee. So what this means is employers are really going to have to have that list, right? They're going to need to audit their employee files, whether those are electronic or whether those are paper. They're going to need to determine if there are any restrictive covenants in those employee files, because remember, it might not just be called a non-compete, right? I see a lot of agreements where it's called a uh, non-interference or non-solicitation or has some name other than just a non-compete, but the statute is broader than that. They're going to have to create those lists of employees uh, determine what their last known address was, if they have email, uh, if they don't have email, you know, it's sort of an open question, do they need to, do they need to look for it? Probably not, uh, if we, they didn't collect it, but some employers collect emails and some don't, and then they need to send an individualized letter. Now that doesn't mean you can't have a form letter, but it need, uh, but it needs to be more than just, uh, some sort of notification on social media or on your company's website or something like that. And all of that has to be done by on or before February 14th, 2024. So it's a pretty short window of time to be getting that done, especially if you're talking about large employers who have thousands of employees who may have had these non-competes and prior employees who may have had these non-competes, which sort of creates an interesting situation depending on how long employers retain records and what sort of records they are. And so one of the things that we suggest is when employers are looking through their records that they have some sort of privileged audit, they bring in their outside counsel and they do a privileged audit of these agreements to determine whether these are going to be violating California's new laws where these employees worked, where they are now, 
uh, maybe consider modifying the agreements. And when I say modifying agreements, one of the last places left, as you know, Dylan, that employers can protect themselves as California is with really good confidentiality and trade secrets language. And that's going to be the way that employers can protect their their data and their customer lists and those sorts of things. So it's really important that if employers don't have robust confidentiality agreements, that they get those put in place. And then again, they need to make sure they're ready for that notice requirement with the lists and that those communications are sent out in a timely manner. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, social engineering by the legislature to make employers go through this effort. And I think if anything, uh, for the you know, keep in mind these provisions against companies not to compete have existed uh, on California's books since the era of the gold rush, and we're finally doing something to make sure that employers uh, now remove companies not to compete from their employment contracts. And at the same time, I think it's also a really good uh, opportunity for employers to polish up their confidentiality intellectual property assignment provisions because that's really where uh where the legislature is telling employers that that's that's your your sole item that you're going to be able to uh to really invest in and to try to protect so leah what happens if uh employer doesn't comply by uh february 14th 2024 uh if a employer doesn't comply, they're going to be in violation of the California Business and Professions Code. And that is, it's not just like you said at the intro, this is not just making it void, it's making it unlawful, which, and there's also a private right of action that is created with this new legislation, which means there will be lawsuits and there will be probably class actions arising out of this. It seems like a, you know, a pretty straightforward thing to do if employers aren't notifying. And while there may not be a lot of money in this, for an individual plaintiff, a former employee, there may be money in it for the plaintiff's bar, which means we are likely, because of attorney's fees, we are likely to see these sorts of lawsuits. Um, and, and one of the things that I think is going to be problematic is what is left out of the new legislation. And one of the things that is left out of the new legislation, one is the definition of non-compete, although as we heard from Jeff, we can assume that's going to be broad. But the other thing that's left out is the interplay between uh, California's Code 925, section of the Labor Code 925, which allowed choice of law and uh, venue agreements outside of California if the agreement was negotiated by counsel for the employee. So this might happen with executives or high-level individuals who are negotiating the contract. And under the new legislation, under AB 1076, you can't have a choice of law provision, but under Labor Code Section 925, you could have that. So it's it, there. there's going to be some litigation arising out of this legislation, and it leaves a employers a little bit in question as far as what, what they do, what they can do. But I definitely think the way to go is to review all of these agreements, anything that has a restrictive covenant, change those, modify your agreements, and then put in as is, is, uh, complete and as robust confidentiality, trade secrets sort of language as you can. It, yeah, it occurs to me um, that in the notices that employers send, that that, that last point uh, is an opportunity for employers to again remind 
their employees and former employees that they do have these uh, confidentiality provisions. So I, I imagine two things. One is that employers will want to include a short two or three sentence paragraph uh, reminding employees uh, and former employees about that. And secondly, I think these notices are going to create a whole lot of confusion among and within the workforce uh, uh, who get them because people are going to say, what, what is this? Why am I getting this? And uh, I, I can anticipate a spike in HR uh, inquiries as a result of that. Yeah, no doubt. Interesting times. And we'll see how all this unfolds as we get closer and closer to uh, February 14th, 2024. But if you have any additional questions about this, uh, please let us know. It's uh, quite an interesting time with these two new provisions under California law. And with that, I want to thank Jeff and Leah for participating today in the Buckhalter Trade Secrets and Employability Podcast. Thanks again. Thanks. Thanks for having us.